good. I'm definitely... Oh, today has been a crazy day. Like, there was just so much work that I planned on doing. And you know how that goes. I didn't get anything done. <laughs> and everything that could potentially go different today went different. But I felt still really accomplished. I had a physiotherapy appointment. I got a massage. I'm baking two pumpkin pies that are almost done. I ordered some supplements. I got packages in the mail that I waited for a while. So in between, I was a mom and had to do daycare or like childcare. Well, I feel like that, you know, normally, <laughs> and so for listeners, normally when we hop on these calls to record, we'll do a little time in, at the beginning to get, you know, acclimated and also just check in with one another. And normally we edit that part out. So there's this like awkward pause for a second as we restart and actually get official for the podcast. But I feel like Sabina, we should leave this one in yeah, (laughs) because it's a perfect segue to what we wanted to talk about as far as how do you, how do you take what the tail end of the year inevitably challenges you with and not just survive it, not just get through your day, but exactly what you just said. There were a lot of curveballs thrown at you. It didn't go exactly to plan. And at the end of it, you feel accomplished. And I can hear the smile on your face through your voice. So you're still in good spirits, which is exactly what we wanted to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. I really look forward to having this conversation today too. So to just wind up by night. It's not a thing that I need to do, but a thing I want to do to just share. And I'm just so happy you're back on the island. So you have your normal day because it's been, for some of you who don't know, Jamie was traveling to California and it was a little bit difficult to have you around (laughs) because I felt like you were really, really busy back home. It's it's so funny. It was such a blessing and something, you know, we won't probably have the chance to do again for quite a while. Um, my husband was transitioning in between companies and there is a wonderful family who are previous clients of his who uh, will often send him a text or call him and say, hey, you're not going to be in California, are you? Because we have this little project. And I'm always like, oh my gosh, what is this little project? Because I suspect it's not little. <laughs> Um, but this, this family that started out as clients and has become some of our dearest friends, uh, we really just love them. And this was the first time that it worked out to where he actually could go back and, and be of help. And so it was really fun, but to your point, Sabina, it was definitely one of those things that was challenging. We were not in our own space. Uh, we were not in our normal time zone and, you know, there were just challenges that came with it, but it was so nice to be able to visit Grace and have Kaylee and stay with our in-laws. And I got to see my mom and my sister whenever I wanted to. And my aunt made me enchiladas and, you know, got to spend time with my grandfather and just all of our family and friends. And it was a gift. So a stressful gift, but a gift. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Reflecting well, on us is definitely good to see what, what it was really for. And to just being appreciative of those times. Even they came with some stress and you were not in your routine and things were kind of off. And again, here you are thriving through transitioning and thriving through changes. Right? It's almost like we planned that, even though that was very off the cuff. So good job, Sabina, ringing that in. (laughs) Good job, Jamie. (laughs) 
Um, one more good job before we get started, because we did talk about this last month as we were taking a look at mental health and what we can do from a physical standpoint to really fuel our bodies in a way that helps us not react to things, but actually be in choice to respond because we're in that clearer, better headspace is I was just looking at the calendar and I am officially one year without coffee, like caffeine in my daily diet. Amazing. I'm so happy about this. It's, it's, I saw your Instagram post. You did a post about that too. And for one, it's crazy for some people to say, oh my God, I hadn't had coffee in a year. It's not quite that, right? You had a little bit of coffee here and there, but really you can probably count it on one hand in 12 months. I probably had six or seven, you know, um, coffee drinks. So my latte or a cappuccino. I had that delicious Phil's coffee when I was in California. So yeah, it's not been 100% coffee, caffeine free. I still drink my teas and things like that. Yeah. For the most part, I was a two to three cup of coffee kind of gal every single day. So a huge difference. And I felt it. Nutrition guidance in that sense of just changing one thing that would have that huge impact with the caffeine and the coffee on my adrenals. I have noticed a huge difference. So thank you for making me do the thing I did not want to do because I didn't (laughs) like you very much when you told me I had to give up the coffee. (laughs) You're very welcome for doing that. And I'm just so, so excited that you really pushed with that. And ah, it's just, it's such a great thing to hear from a client that something you don't think you could do or something that you don't think has much impact in your life turns around to be the biggest one that has a big impact on your life, right? And it's just a really cool thing to hear. And I'm just so happy for you. It's been working out. And for our listeners, just to say that I am not at all about co- against coffee. I love coffee. I'm a coffee connoisseur. I will travel a long way to get a good cup of coffee. I think the beauty of that is you can really tell what coffees you had in the past year and how good they were. And also there's this piece of mindful and awareness to it, right? So being aware of what you're drinking, is just a really cool tool to know, to have in your, in your how do you call it, in your tool belt, to always mm-hmm. add something else to your tool belt. So something you learned there. It's, it's just really cool. And yeah, drinking coffee can be really good for some people and, um, If you can handle it, if you have some good adrenal health and if your cortisol is low and um, if your blood sugar regulation is working out, go ahead and drink your coffee. I am not against that. And I think that's the beautiful thing is just the awareness. And I think that's another red thread that we talked through last month and that will be (coughs) what we touch on as we move through November and into December you know, what you and I have talked through that has been good for us personally, especially last year, and now really building on those skill sets for this year, because the tail end of any year, and, you know, we've talked about this as well, 2020 and 2021 have been very transitional, strange times, not, uh, you know, just locally, but globally. And so what are the triggers whether it's a food that you're putting into your body or it's an external interpersonal connection that is the trigger. What are those triggers and how can we really elevate our vibrations and our energetic space to 
have fun as we close out the year, not be stressed out by the holidays, whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate, because I think there can be stress in that as well. When you don't feel like you're in a celebratory mood and everybody around you is singing Christmas carols or what have you. So that red thread of awareness is something that has been really on the forefront of my mind and what we want to continue to talk about as we round out the year and and try to really end 2021 on a note that we are in choice around. I believe in that too. And I think being in choice is now more important than ever because the gatherings are adding up. You seeing more people, you being more connected with people in most cases because there's holiday parties, there's family want to get together. A lot of times, at, at least in my friend friend circle and in my family, there's a lot of birthdays coming up. So every weekend is just planned out. So being aware of that and really tuning in of what do I need right now because I know the busy time is coming is like super important to me right now. What do you think? is I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. What is your number one trigger at the tail end of the year? The number one trigger for me is I don't like, what do you call it? Like New Year's resolutions. I don't like doing that. I like to start the year to with my New Year's resolutions, so to say. So by the new year, it's already a habit um, and I can go healthier and stronger in it. But a trigger for me is definitely family. So one piece, and this might, so with this podcast too today, with this episode, it is not all go happy, go lucky. There's definitely a couple of feelings that I have and they definitely valid. And I think they, they hard to sometimes speak out loud and verbalize. It's a really hard time for me because I'm triggered. I, I'm a family person and I want to have people around me, but I'm also, I love my time by myself. So for me, it's the emotions of when I go and see my family in Germany here, there's a concept of who I am. And so I just become that person to them, which I'm not anymore. And in that space, or I understand why, because I've been gone for 10 years and living in California, I'm not the person who I was anymore. So they have to get, my family has to accept that and slowly understand me again and actually rekindle our relationship. My brother and my father are definitely a big trigger to me um, for me because they just know me the best and they know we are so alike they know exactly how to push my buttons plus my mom is really sick so there's always this concept of I want to make this year the best year for her and now also having our little girl who's two years or turning two years old with us I want to really make this lasting memory for her I, I create a lot of expectations for myself so the perfectionist comes out a lot. And that is something that I know I need to I need to navigate it a little bit better. I need to really give myself that space and time. I really need to understand. I need to be in the choice of really what matters to me and what I want to do. Do I do it for myself or do I do it for others? So and that's one thing that I just try to do, really become clear at, even if it's sometimes really hard for other people to understand. And yet a triggering fact is just knowing the situation I'm going into and knowing that most likely the conversations will be really hard or it will end up into a, a fight or a heavy discussion or even some hurt feelings. And I just know this time around, I have to take the emotions out of it 
to really thrive through it. I have to see it as what it is. I have to see the other person of where they're coming from and use this intelligence that I created and the learning that I'd done throughout the past year or year and a half. In that situation, it's all accounts, right? It's like the test that I'm taking right now. I have to prove to myself or I have to use now the knowledge that I have. I love the action that you put to it as well. I know we've talked a lot about this, so it was already preordained the trigger that you were going to speak to because that is your trigger. And I knew that going into that question and you have the actions, which you've already taken some steps. You've made some really great progress specifically with your brother. And I feel like now the two of you are not only on the same playing field, but you're also on the same team when it comes to these agreements and, and commitment to responding versus reacting. And it's really an art, not a science. I think it's something you always have to be in the practice of because although you've made great strides, that doesn't mean that this year you won't still be in that awareness piece and looking for those actions before you go to a family gathering, getting yourself grounded and centered, thinking through ahead of time how you want it to play out. And then when you're triggered or something is said that is not your favorite or there's an, a tone in a voice that you are feeling you know, a little bit prickly about, you're able to reground, take a breath, take a beat and move forward in response and in choice rather than reacting, which you know is a pattern that I think you've really identified that you want to break. Yeah. And it really is about going back to the years that it escalated, right? What were the triggers then and what have I done different to now? I can go in a couple of examples of that. I would go for a Christmas dinner or like I would go for the Christmas break to my parents with, with my husband, with Tanner. And I planned on making free cooked meals every single day. So there was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I would create it. I would make it. Lunch is a really big deal. So you have like the big festive meal to eat. So for this year, I basically said, let's not do this. Let's try to order everything and only make things little things to really enjoy our time with each other, to also go and go outside, to just take some, take some walks together, go and experience something, maybe go ride the sled with Quinn and outside to really enjoy our family time and then the other thing that we have done over the last years every time I visit and I visit more than three or four days I will actually have one day or two days where I'm just like on my own for two hours or three hours where I will do something with Tanner and Quinny by myself to really give it a break to just have that time to take myself out of the situation and give it a couple hours to reflect on how to how it's going and then to come back to it to not have that point of like it's gonna escalate because I kind of know after two days or so I'm starting to get really tense it's so interesting and I think a lot of people probably resonate with needing to put yourself in a in a timeout of sorts <laughs> not because you've behaved badly but because you feel the tension rising and that again just back to awareness I don't want to use that, overuse that word, but I think you start to feel whatever it is. For me, a lot of times it's in my chest. I get like, my chest gets really tight. It's a little bit harder to breathe. And that's when I know that my stress is being elevated and I need to retract a little bit and pause to get myself centered. 
I love the awareness piece. And it makes me think of a tool. I was just sharing this with a client and I was thinking, gosh, you know, moving into the tail end of the year, I should probably do this tool myself to get really, really clear on what I want and what I don't want and what my non-negotiables are. It's like when we have dinner and if I don't have it planned out and Joe is, he's like, well, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, uh, I don't know. You pick. And so he's like, okay, great. Spaghetti. And I'm like, oh yeah, I don't want spaghetti. <laughs> he's like, I know oh. that situation so well. Oh my okay, God. Okay. Well, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know what I want, but I don't want spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually the way that our brains are wired. There is a tool on my website. It's uh, there's a lot of free resources on my website at jamiecornell.co and it's called, it's a blog post called embrace your negativity. The short version is that our brains, our amygdalas are programmed still from times where we had to run away from scary animals, thrive in the wilderness. And so we are hardwired to take a look at any given situation and see the negative things identify very quickly what is not good for us, what is scary, what we don't want. And it's it's so interesting to me when you look at the science behind it, it's an actual thing of why it's so difficult to identify what you do want, but you can in a snap say, nope, don't want spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> but you still don't know what you want for dinner. So yeah. and that's it, not helpful. <laughs> I have the same situations going on and it it is always the feeling of my cortisol is really high. I'm super, super stressed. Like, I don't want to make any decision anymore. Please, better half, make a decision for me. And of course, I'm not going to like it. That's what it always feels like. And that's the thing. Like, Tana always says, I'm probably right making the decision like 2% of the time. Because every time you want to make the decision. And yes, it might be a controlling thing. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's the defense. It's the not wanting to give up the control, maybe not even trusting. Maybe my brain is just going so fast that I actually already thinking of what I want. I just can't voice it. Yeah. Well, that's why I love that tool. And I actually did run myself through it and it's so simple. So if you want to check it out again, it's on the website. It's free. You can actually just draw it on your own. You don't need the PDF that I posted, but you essentially draw a circle and Everything that you do not want, you can make it for the holiday season. You can make it a specific gathering, you know, the, the neighborhood ugly Christmas sweater or, you know, if there's whatever you celebrate, it can also be relationship based. So how you want to connect and thrive with your partner or with your children. So whatever it is you want, set something in your mind and then write everything that you don't want outside of the circle. The easiest part about this is you take what you don't want, what is written outside of your circle, you name the opposite thing and you put it inside your circle. And then after you do that exercise, you can really start to see the trend and the thread. You can pick one priority. You can pick your top three. And from there, really decide, okay, if I want an hour of me time every single day. How do you make that a priority? And how do you funnel that into your daily routine? And then you'll be able to say yes or no to things that come your way. Maybe you really do want to go to the neighborhood holiday gathering and you would not have any time for yourself that day. You might make a different choice. You might say, hey, I'm going to pop by for 15 minutes, give everybody a high five 
and then go home and enjoy some alone time. So I think it just helps you get really, really clear on your priorities, your why, and allows you to make choices that will fuel your energy, not sabotage it. Yeah, I think that's such a good tool. And I remember us, um, I remember you had me do that last year around this time to really prep myself. And I basically put in the circle what I want from this relationship that I have with my brother and what I don't want. And then I basically replayed the scenarios of how they went. I think you had me do rewriting the story as I wanted it to be. Do you remember that? Did we do this workshop? Cleared up so many things for me and just made me realize. Like, And I think once you start, when I started verbalizing this to you, it became really intuitive and it just really synced in. I think that's a, a really powerful second part. You don't have to do that. But I think with you, there was so much anxiety about this gathering that you were you were going to and really a desire to change the script and change the outcome and take personal responsibility for being the catalyst for that change. That's the deeper piece. Really easy. Uh, can be even 10 minutes to do the circle exercise and get clear on what you want and, and then make non-negotiables on how you're going to gift that to yourself. And deeper seated things like family, pretty, pretty involved and in depth, right? And it didn't take you just one incident to feel like you needed to change. These are things that have happened in your family over decades of yeah. interacting with one another and creating, like you said, they, well, I shouldn't speak for them, but I can say your perception of how they perceive you is exactly what you said at the top of the hour. That's not who you are anymore. That's who you were a decade ago before you moved to to the United States and lived in California and then moved back with a husband and a child. You are a completely different human now than you were a decade ago. And yet your perception is that they interact and perceive and expect from you, Sabina, of 10 years ago. Exactly. Yeah, it's just so interesting, right? To like take this time and really do the work and it's just going to pay off not just for your family, it pays up for your significant other, it pays up in the relationships that you have with co-workers, the way how you work, the way how you just categorize your wants, your needs, and really try to, to live your life to the fullest because you're starting to understand of what is sucking up my energy, what is not making my vibrations go higher and just, um, yeah, like taking time out for yourself is just such a important thing to do, so... Thank you for that, to teach for teaching me that. Yeah, I'm excited to see how this holiday season goes because you've been in this work and you've had some really honest and vulnerable conversations with your brother. And like I said, it's it's been really great to hear that the two of you have identified where you would like to elevate your relationship and he's on board. It was a really well done job, I think, for you to not only know that you wanted to do that for yourself and to put yourself through the work, but then also to do it powerfully enough that you enrolled your brother along with you to yeah. change, make the experiences of being together something that you can look forward to, not something that might cause anxiety. You know, you, I, I know you're always excited to see him and to see your parents and there was anxiety that came along with it. And I don't think it's completely dissipated, but I do notice in your tone of voice and when you speak about them, and speak about going over there for the holidays, you definitely have a lighter feeling 
Yeah, the, the expectations have resolved a little bit. The expectations are gone. I have talked with, with my family about their expectations on me and that I don't want to do that and that I cannot fulfill them. It just also, and this is this comes in, or like here is where the boundary setting comes in to really, really be aware of where my boundaries lie and not overstep and also try to say no to certain things sometimes that might be the catalyst for the, the like the hard conversations or the catalyst for like those fights that start. And if you say no, it might not even escalate that way. It's a hard time, the holidays for me, because it's not just the issues I have with my family or the hard conversations I'm going to have. It's just, it's a very emotional time because I miss California a lot. I miss my friends a lot. And over the past 10 years, I have created my own family over there that are not blood related, but we just a really tight group of friends and we have created our own traditions. And this is the third year now where we are not doing it. And it's just always a really, really hard thing because every time I think back on it, they were really good times and just the holidays are so, so precious to me. And I got to see my friends. There's a lot of birthdays. So I got to see my friends, um, almost from November on till new year's almost every weekend. And that's for busy people and if you know living in the bay area i guess living everywhere in, in the states it's just you work so much that you barely get to see each other so i have to be really aware that this is a vulnerable time for me too of a lot of feelings being intertwined and mixed and busyness and not paying attention so yeah working out is an important part for me to to take the time for myself so, which yay i sign up for a gym so that's one thing that i just started to do to really prioritize myself, prioritize my mental health. I'm so excited for you to start at the gym. I want to, I want to know more about it because I know that was the one that you were like, nah, I don't really know if that's the gym for me. And then come to find out there are a lot of really great things about it that you're excited for. So hopefully Quinny likes it too, when you take her to daycare. And I think it's so important for you to show her. I mean, she's obviously so young that she might not remember going to the daycare at the gym. But for Quinny to see that you can be a working mom, you can be an entrepreneur, you can be a wife and a daughter and a sister and still make yourself a priority, even if it's 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, whatever it is you choose. And it doesn't necessarily need to be moving your body. It can be reading. It can be journaling whatever it is that makes you feel grounded and taking space for yourself. Because I, for sure, an extrovert, I definitely get energy interacting with people and talking with people. And I still need time. I really noticed that when we were in California, because there are so many people to see and so many cool adventures to have and places to eat, of course, because we always had our favorites. And so anytime we go back to the Bay Area, we have this checklist of food <laughs> that needs to happen. <laughs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> always being on, always having people to see, always wanting to give, you know, just run by and, oh, I'll just, I'm in the area. I'll just run in and give you a hug was so wonderful and exhausting at the same time. So that recharge, and it makes me think of, you know, when you talked about what you might be missing, you know, obviously you're thankful to have, to have your family and be able to share the holidays with them, especially I think with Quinn, but you're missing your friends and the traditions and the life that you built in California. And, you know, there are times during the year where we, and we talked a little bit about this with Jamie Ann, 
and the seasonal changes, there are times during the year where it's expected of you to be happy or joyful, and maybe you've lost a loved one and you're not feeling joyful because that person's not there. Or in your case, you've moved away from a home that you created and the family that you created along with that home, and you miss them. I think really identifying the immediate triggers like you have with your family and visualizing how you want it to go. And if it doesn't go a specific way, how you will choose to respond that will actually create a situation that does not escalate and actually diffuse what is happening. But also the triggers that are a little bit invisible, exactly what you just said. You are mourning, in a sense, the life that you created in California and the people who come along with it. And so what do you need to feel connected to them? Is it Zoom calls? Is it spending a little bit more time at the gym so that you feel like your body is getting out that, you know, maybe icky energy that comes along with those feelings, whatever it is. Um, I think it's really important, this conversation of thriving through the tail end of the year and, and these uh, holiday seasons, what are the invisible triggers that unless you really do the work and dig in might sneak up on you and until it's too late and you've already reacted in a way where you're like, where did that come from? Yeah. Uh, Then you have to examine it post incident or feelings or whatever it is. So I think that's really smart that you also are aware of those invisible triggers. Yeah. And I think them, I mean, this is not a really easy thing to pinpoint. You need, you need a lot of awareness and you need to go through certain things to understand them. I mean, I've been through a lot of counseling, a lot of therapy because opposite way moving to California, it was really, really hard for the first few years to not have my family around and losing everybody, so to say, around me. And through therapy, I found out that the emotions and the feelings you have when you are in transition and when you are completely in a new situation where you're learning a new language or you're adjusting to a new work environment and you don't have anybody close to you that you are familiar with you going through the same feelings as grieving so you're really really deeply grieving and that can really lead to a depression too which i found myself in that in the third year of being in california and it was really really a hard thing to to get out of it and to realize things and to understand that Having those phone calls was just, and those Zoom calls or Skype calls back then was just really, really important to me. And now being on the other side, almost 11 years or 13 years later, I'm back here and now I'm experiencing the same sadness again, which the holidays are filled with laughter and family and um, friends that are family and I'm grieving again. So I'm just have better tools now to deal with it. And I know I can put a word on the feeling that I'm feeling. Yep. Is there, as you were just saying that, I'm wondering, because of course, like you said, the grieving process is just that. It's a process. And just because you've gone through it once, like you said, just because you had a grieving process for your family in the transition to California, you built a beautiful life there. And so now on the flip side, you're like, well, what the hell? Now I'm grieving again. What is this, right? Yeah. (laughs) And I think, well, I wonder, this is a question for you. Is there a part of the life you built in California and the traditions that you built with your friends that became family, with Tanner, 
that you can build upon and add into your life now in Germany? Yeah, that's a oh, that's a that's actually a question we ask ourselves a lot, and we're trying to pave that way. We kind of started from zero over here again, so we're slowly getting there. Also, there is those certain things that knowing if we would have stayed in California, we would have not decided to have a child. We would have not had a dog because the workload was just so much. At least it would have not happened as soon as it happened now. Um, so those are things that we celebrate over here. Things that we definitely love to do and we're getting back onto that is just traveling and traveling that we used to do a lot over in California to go on like weekend trips with friends and we want to get back to do that, to doing that and also having friends come and visit over here so we can get back on that. There's definitely things that we can implement and slowly and surely like they're coming back, like having your own time to go to the gym. Tanner is figuring out where to go skateboarding, enjoying like nice breakfast. And again, this might all happen sooner if we would not have a little child. As you know, as a mom, it's like for the first few years, you have to get back at doing your normal things again. And it just it, it's not as easy to do it with a little kid. So to have like a two hour breakfast <laughs> and brunch so but we're getting there it's definitely feeling a lot more connected to the old so to say yeah and i think that's a great transition into what we'll talk through to round out november and then into december as we really start to talk about how we're doing and what we want to create for 2022 i know you are um a big believer in starting that not on january 1st but actually reflecting on the year as we close it out and being in the work and starting to be who you want to be immediately, not saying, okay, I'm going to wait until January 1 and then go. So we'll definitely talk about goal setting and the things that we're grateful for and want to continue and maybe some of the things that we want to elevate. But to kick off this part of the conversation of how we thrive through the tail end of the year, you know, we wanted to really start with the trigger piece. And so for you, having been through this and been in the work over the last year and going into the second year and really building upon those layers, what would be like really high level two non-negotiable things you would share with people who want to be in this work of identifying their triggers and then creating an action plan to avoid them? Or I guess I don't want to say avoid them. I guess I want to say identify them in the moment and respond differently in a way that's very intentional and very planned to elevate the situation. Oh my God. I don't know if I can come up with a, with an answer so quickly here. That's some, some, what do you call it? Food for the brain? Food for thought? <laughs> yeah. Food for thought, not for the brain, food for thought. Well, I, okay. I kind of want to flip that on you. I kind of want to flip that around on you because I'm really interested to hear some what you're going to say about that because I know there's definitely some difficult relationships that you have as well. So, what would be a trigger for you, and how would you control that for the new year, so to say? Well, it's really different for me, I think, now because we are on an island, 2,500 miles away. What I would say was a trigger in the past and something I never quite mastered. So, you know, unless we move back to California, I don't know that I would have the chance to really revisit this, but something that might resonate is, you know, my family is divorced. My husband's family is divorced 
And that creates a lot of tension. And it's difficult because we have some relationships where the people will not be in the same room with one another. It's like a non-negotiable. They just won't do it. And some relationships where one party will be indifferent and fine to be in the room with the other person, (laughs) but it's still weird and awkward because they would prefer, of course, not to be in the same room at all ever. So really navigating the divorced situation and other people's I guess, I mean, baggage is the word that comes to mind, but that's not super accurate. I think other people's non-negotiables and what causes them anxiety and stress. And in a perfect world, we would all just get over ourselves and be together. And we know that that's just not possible in a lot of circumstances. But what it causes or what it caused when we were in the Bay Area was a lot of guilt. A A lot of guilt on your end? Yeah, because we were always choosing, or it felt like, quote unquote, choosing one person over the other. Mm -hmm. And because there are certain people who will not spend holidays or birthdays or things like that, um, I think about our wedding. There were some really awkward moments at the wedding because certain people did not want to be around other people and... (laughs) That was probably the one time where everybody just showed up and made it happen. And how could you not, right? What are you going to say? No, I'm not going to attend your wedding because X, Y, Z. Like, I mean, that's pretty pretty extreme circumstance. But for normal holidays and birthdays and things like that, it always felt like we were having to choose. And if in order to make everyone happy and satisfied and make sure that we got to hang out and see everyone, we ran ourselves ragged. And Joe and I always ended up in an argument because we were stressed. We didn't have our own space. We felt like we were running around trying to make everybody else happy. And that's not fun. And it's, it wasn't good for the girls who also felt like they were running all over the place. And couldn't talk about like, it's like, Oh, what'd you get for Christmas? And then like, you know, they'd have to omit certain things from certain people because they didn't want to bring up the names of people. I mean, oh it's just, my God, really? You know, the, just- yeah. You know, they, they know they don't want to hurt people's feelings and they, they know the drill. They know the nuances of, of the family and, and who's not friends with who anymore. <laughs> You know what I mean? They're not- isn't it crazy what we do to ourselves with that? And isn't it mm-hmm. crazy like the negativity that you just feed and a negativity keeps on going? And I believe in that magnetic field that if a lot of negativity is around you and going on, as more negativity is coming your way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So- the law of attraction is, <clears throat> yeah. is a thing. And unfortunately, you know, when you have a partner, that's what it is, right? It's a partnership. And Joe was raised very differently than I was in a lot of ways. Um, I was taught to speak up regardless of if it's my elder or an authority figure in the family. And Joe was not. It was very much, it doesn't matter what the people do because I wouldn't be here if without them. Um, you know, we talk about this a lot with like grandparents and things like that, like these traditions that have been set. And it's really difficult when 
you have two people who come from very different backgrounds and so then have very different philosophies on how to respond in situations that are less than ideal. And it puts strain on on the partnership. It, it definitely, all of the holidays put a stress on our marriage. <laughs> and yeah. being in Hawaii now, there's definitely difficult things about it. Um, I don't get to see my family or Joe's family um, as often as we would want. And at the same time, it has created a buffer to where we don't feel like we are letting someone down because we go to this Christmas Eve and not that Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if we have to skedaddle after two hours because we actually have three families functions in one day, we're not feeling guilty. Like when people say, oh, you're leaving already. And it's like, well, yeah, because we're already 25 minutes behind schedule for the next 12 things we have to do. We would love to stay and we can't, you know? Yeah. So moving here has put that buffer into place and actually made the holidays more enjoyable. We do a lot of uh, Friendsgivings and things with our, you know, our people who have become our island family. And that's always really great. And we, I mean, we feel so blessed and supported to have found so many wonderful families on the island that we can now call our own tribe. Yeah. And what I think it actually did was make it a lot more meaningful and enjoyable when we do see our families right. because either they're coming out here and we get one-on-one -on -one time with them, which feels really good. Sorry for interrupting, but this reminds me of something. It's just coming clear of what you want out of the relationship is really important too. Like if you are just there to see family for the sake of seeing it, then go ahead and do that. But if you can choose and you can choose that just seeing somebody or having that meaningful um, conversation with someone that just fills your heart and fills your soul, then heck yes, then I'm going for that. And it took me a long time to realize that that's what I want. I really enjoy having deep conversations with people and I don't enjoy just having small talk. talk. I can do small talk all day, but at the end of the day, it's not filling my cup. Yeah. And people always ask, they're like, so would you ever move back to the Bay Area because your family is all there? And I think both Joe and I, and I, I felt like this at the beginning, but I think Joe has come around because now he realizes the quality, exactly what you just said, the quality of time spent when we're not available all the time. Um, because in my perfect world, we could move back to the Bay Area. And anytime we had a Thanksgiving, everybody was invited and everybody would come and you know that's my yeah <laughs> that's my dream dream wish list is that i could just invite everybody and for that day it didn't matter about divorces it didn't matter about anything everybody could just get along or at least be civil and be together so that that would be a gift to me and to joe because we could have all of our people in the same room celebrating the same thing with us. That's a beautiful dream it will never happen. So the next best thing I feel like is this, this beautiful life that we've created in Hawaii and just really 
loving up on and appreciating the time that we have individually because people come to visit us and we do, we get one-on-one time with them, which if we were living in California would probably never happen. I mean, when would you have your mother-in-law come and stay with you for a week well, in Cal- when you lived one town over, like it, it right. doesn't, and <laughs> here's know, the thing, three towns over. And this is what I always felt like too. When I make this decision of choosing the people that I want to be with and I want they want to be with me, they actually ask valid questions, right? And they're finding out more about you. They're interested in your being. They're interested in you. As if I go to my family or to my parents, it's just it, it's just a relationship we have for the, because we're blood related. And it's been for 30 years like that or more than that. But is there a real interest to get to know me? No, because they already think they know me. So that's always something that, that I came to find out. And I think that's the part that I'm really missing is catching up with friends, catching up with um, with the California life and just, yeah, have like good conversations and people being interested in me and hearing me. And I, I hear them, right? There's like this being an active listener. Yeah, that makes me think too. To round back to the question that I asked you that you passed off on me. (laughs) Um, So I would say in just chatting through that, and of course, it's not an example for me anymore. It's definitely a part of my past and history and where I for sure fucked it up because Joe and I, I don't know how many arguments we had about going to 12 places in one day and I hate this and I don't want to do it anymore. Right. And he's like, no, we just need to do it. For me, what I would share is in that instance, the, the circular tool dialing in exactly what I want based off of what I know I don't want. And I've experienced in the past that has not been fun. Yeah. And then Actually, you know, I just said, okay, we would never move back to California because one of the big factors is that stress and not having quality time with family, but feeling guilty or choosing one or the other and, you know, stress on my marriage. But here's something on me. I never, after knowing exactly what I didn't want, I never went to specific family members and shared why I would really, really love to host a Thanksgiving and have every single one of our humans there. Mm-hmm. And the answer might have been no. Just like when you talk to your brother, his answer might have been like, peace out. Nice, <laughs> nice knowing you. Right. He didn't say that. Obviously, he loves you. He was feeling the same way and just couldn't articulate it until you brought it to him. But I that's a personal responsibility piece for me. I assumed that it was never going to happen. And so I actually never made the request or enrolled the people who needed to be enrolled in at least trying it once. Yeah. And I mean, trying it once and also letting them know what is your intention behind that, right? What is your whole, not even the goal, but what are the boundaries? What is your intention behind it? And really making it meaningful so they understand too. Because, I mean, you have always people that don't listen to what you say, especially with family. Yeah, like voicing what you really want out of it. And maybe it's not even anything you want out of it. It's just for everybody else to just be together and get this warm, fuzzy feeling. And maybe it's an announcement you're doing. And it could be it could be even possible you're doing it and still living in, Calif- in, in um, Hawaii. You guys could just maybe rent out a big spot and have like a reunion that's going to be on Thanksgiving. Well, we are talking about doing a vow renewal 
next mm, year. Interesting. So that that would actually probably be the thing, right, where we could gather everybody together. And I think it reminds me of, and if you, Sabina, you might have, as part of our past like work experience, been exposed to this, but it's called, I might butcher this, but it's How Great Leaders Inspire Action, I think is the name of the TED Talk. It's Simon Sinek. And I love leading with your why. And I think it's just such a powerful thing. I can tell people, I want everybody together for Thanksgiving. You know, that could be enough for some people. But for those who have the roadblocks to overcome, at the end of the day, it's their Thanksgiving as well. So just because it's on my wish list to have every single one of our humans come to us instead of us going to 45 different things because everybody needs to be siloed. If I led with the why, I would probably have still gotten some no's and maybe it wouldn't have worked out, but at least I would have very powerfully shared and given it my best shot at enrolling people in this possibility because maybe it would have happened and it would have gone off without a hitch and we could have done it again. And the gift I would have been giving is the perspective that maybe it's not as bad as you and had it made up in your mind, the story in your mind, or maybe it would have been a total shit show. And I would have been like, okay, that was a grand effort. We're never doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> like like that's actually just, worse than going to 45 houses. Yeah. It can be just also like just a simple, simple explanation of like, Hey, none of us know when we ever going to see each other again. Corona just happened. Life has been so fucking precious. We don't know what's going to happen in a month or two. So why don't we all get together, put all our bullshit to the side and just have a good old time to really reconnect. Yeah. And you never know until you ask, right? So here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to propose because, again, this is going to be a red thread of gratitude, awareness, identifying triggers, and really making our best effort to create what we want rather than surviving through what we don't want. Sabina, how do you feel about before our next podcast, going back and revisiting the circular tool, the embrace your negativity, identifying current triggers, because you, I think, have one that you shared, obviously still with your family, but it is a work in progress and it's gotten much better. So there might be something else on your awareness that you would want to dive into. And for me- I have a bigger trigger right now, but I don't know if I'm ready to talk about that on a podcast. So- mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Well, do this tool. We'll yes. talk separately. Yes, yes, and then yes. if you feel like sharing, you can bring that. Because what I would really like to talk through with you on our next episode is, okay, we've identified our triggers. We've yeah. identified what we want to come into fruition and maybe a few actions on how to make that happen. And now, how do we hold ourselves accountable? And when we hit roadblocks or something pops up, how, how do we recover? And continue on the path so that just like, you know, with my coffee journey, grumbling at you, thinking there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to do this. I don't want to do this. But I knew what I wanted more than not wanting those things is for my adrenals to be fixed, to get better sleep, to not feel so crabby, to not feel run down and worn out and stressed. And so the end result was still in my mind. And so I think you know, there is a big piece of, okay, you've identified the issue, you have a plan of action, but how do you actually execute? And how do you continue when the good behaviors are easy on a specific day? And how 
do you get through and pull yourself back up by the bootstraps on the days where you feel like you've been hit by a train? Yeah. And I think also accepting failure in that, right? And that getting really, really granting you in those situations some gratitude and just being completely aware that you are not perfect. Like, I mean, I still fuck up and you still fuck up too. I know there's has been one conversation with one family member too, where you were like, okay, I have this all figured out. I plotted out and it backfired. So we can still talk about this later, but it does happen. And I think the gratitude piece is just a, the very big part in that. So I think that's an important part to think about it. Um, and then I would love to do that tool again. That would be good. Okay. So let's commit to that before our next episode. And then we'll continue this conversation through the lens of accountability and thriving through the actual action of change, because it's one thing to visualize for me. I'll speak from a place of, I visualize the end goal that I want and it's a totally different feeling when you are on day one of getting there. Yeah. I am not a patient person. I've said that before on this podcast. And Sabina and anybody who's listening who knows me is probably cracking up right now going, nope, not patient. And so, you know, the journey, how do you thrive through the journey as well, I guess, would be the, yeah. the actual nail on the head for the topic. And maybe it's you also a- need to share whatever you are setting out to do and whatever you're trying to attract, really share it with one person that listens to you and who is a good active listener to also mm-hmm. have that accountability buddy. Because you and I are both not patient people. We share our journey to really reflect on where we're at and how it's going. And you can hear in the tone of my voice, you can hear in my messages, you can read between the lines because you know me now. And so can I. So I think that's like having somebody that you have to be accountable to in those situations. It's it's worth gold. Well, that's it for our first episode in the series on how to thrive throughout the holiday and create a tail end of the year that feels really great rather than just something that you are surviving through. As we mentioned, if you would like to have the free resource that we talked through with the circular tool to decide what you want by knowing exactly what you don't want, you can find it on my website underneath the blog called Embrace Your Negativity. And that's Jamie, J-A-I-M-E at jamiecornell.co. And for next time, join us as we talk through accountability now that we know what we want because we know what we don't want and we've taken a look at our triggers we want to explore how we hold ourselves accountable when we're taking those first steps and something that resonates with me personally how to be patient and give myself grace along the way so stay tuned and until we talk again don't fuck it up or at least try not to and as always if you do that's okay